Cause sometimes I be right. Hello. Welcome to the show. Listen, we have a lot to get into. I guess. I'm saying we have a lot to get into. Yeah, we do. We do. We do. We do. <laughs> How's everybody feeling? Listen, I missed you last week. I missed you last week. I'm uploading this on Friday. I know you guys probably thought it was going to be two straight weeks of no cyber, but trust me, I'm here. I am here. I'm feeling good, feeling great. Let's get right into it. What up, cyber family? If this is your first time joining us, welcome. This is Sometimes I Be Right. I am your host, John Farris, reporting live from Trash Can Studios. As always, joined by my co-host, Wally. Say what up, Wally. So I want to get right into it today uh, because I saw something yesterday that was distressing to me. And as you're as you're listening to this, something may have already happened. Things may have already changed, may be different. But I, I I felt like I needed to input my two cents. So let's take a little story time with me, if you will. When I was younger, when I was a kid, I used to be the biggest Yankees fan in the world. I'm talking about collecting all the cards. I know the roster up and down. I know everybody's number. I know the history. I know what's going on in the farm system. I watched every single game every night. I was a fan. Okay, but then what started happening was every offseason, whoever the biggest name free agent was, they would just go out and sign him, whether they needed him or not, whether he fit or not. It didn't matter. Biggest free agent. We're going to sign him. I started losing a little bit of love for the team because I thought Ugh, you're getting rid of core guys to bring in these free agents who don't even fit. You don't even need them. It started when they got rid of Tino Martinez to bring in Jason Giambi. That was a big blow for me. Tino Martinez was my favorite player. But they made one move in particular that when I heard about it, I said, man, if they pull that off, if they make that move, I'm out. I'm done as a fan. And that move was trading for Alex Rodriguez. Once they traded for Alex Rodriguez, I said, I'm out. I'm done. No mas. And I was not only done with the Yankees, I stopped watching baseball from that point, which I believe was 2003, up until just two years ago. I was out. I'm still not a Yankees fan. Nope, don't like them, can't stand them, I'm out. I tell you that story to say, when I make this statement, I'm not just saying it, I mean it. This is I've done this before, this has happened to me before, I don't know why it is. Just certain things I cannot deal with as a fan, and I have to opt out. I saw last night that uh, James Harden has opted in to his player option with the 76ers, but is working with the 76ers to pull off a trade. He doesn't want to be there. They can't agree on the money, so he's opting in, and now they're going to trade. And two teams step to the forefront as two teams that show a lot of interest. The Los Angeles Clippers, which that makes sense. I believe that. That doesn't surprise me. The other team happens to be the New York Knicks. Now, just a few days ago, I posted a video on my YouTube. Go check it out, Cyber Network on YouTube, asking the question, who even wants James Harden anymore? Well, got the answer. Apparently, my favorite team, the Knicks do. 
I'm going to say this now. If the Knicks go out and trade or acquire James Harden, I'm out. I'm done as a fan. I'm no longer a fan of the Knicks. I wash my hands of it. I'm gone. I'll see you later. Now, look, I'm not stupid. The Knicks don't know me. I don't know them. Like, I'm just a fan. Like, if I stop watching, it doesn't affect their bottom line at all. I get it. I'm not trying to, you know, strong arm them into, don't make in this move or else John's leaving. No, I'm not doing that. But as a fan, I can't do it. I am so shocked and blown away by the fact that James Harden, that anybody wants him. Oh, gosh. I, I, we went through this all last year. We went through this with the NFL free agency, with the quarterback situation, with guys signing guys and the guy signing this guy. And I asked the question that I feel like I'm in an alternate universe where I seem to be the only one that, like, the conversation around James Harden and what you're getting from James Harden makes it seem as if people forget, like, who James Harden is. Like, ooh, man. So, the Clippers are probably going to land him. So, this may all be for nothing. But the fact that they're even making conversations about the Clippers have dumped, you know, Eric Gordon, which frees up $22 million. They're freeing up cap space. That's unusual for them. It's definitely to bring in Harden. They want to make a new big three, which, look, I got plenty to say about big three. Okay? That statement alone to me, we need to we need to get into it. We need to get rid of that. But they're talking about it like, oh, they got a couple number one draft picks they could package together. They got the month. Two first round draft picks for James Harden. For what? What what do you think you're getting from James Harden? I don't understand. Like, look, they're like, oh, he averaged 20 and 10 last year. I get it. What happened in the playoffs? Does anyone here? No, no, no. Does anyone here think that Miami is a better team top to bottom than the 76ers just last year. Just look at the look at their rosters in the playoffs. Does anyone think that Miami was a better team than the 76ers? No, right? We all agree they weren't. Okay. You were in a game 7 with Boston, correct? We would all agree that probably on paper Boston was the best team, probably should have won. Why did you lose to Boston in game 7? Come on, say it. Don't try to overthink it. Oh, because your star didn't show up at all. Oh, Joel Embiid had a really bad game? Okay, sure. Cool, cool, cool. That's fine. We got James Harden. If James Harden gives us anything, anything, we can still win that game. But you got nothing from James Harden. Nothing. Like, I'm sorry. James Harden is the reason you lost. Like, he provided you nothing. 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 And yet, we're still going to look at him as being, oh, a guy you can get. Okay. Let's look at game five versus Boston. James Harden, in 39 minutes, put up eight shots. 
gave you 17 points. Four of eight. Okay. Cool. Definitely maxing that guy out, right? That's what you're saying? Max him out. Right? Is that what you're trying to tell me? All right. Let's look at game six. Game six. James Harden gave you 13 points. 0 of 6 from 3. 4 of 16 shooting for the night. That's your star. In 43 minutes, by the way. That's your guy. That's your guy. This is James Harden. 13 points. 4 of 16 shooting. And 43 minutes in a game 6. That's who you want to trade for? That's who you want to sign? That's who's so important. That's who's so crucial. Okay, let's look at a game seven against Boston. Again, game seven. James Harden gave you nine points. One of five shooting from three. Three of 11 shooting overall. In three games to close out. 17, 13, nine. I'm sorry. Who wants this guy? If this were the first time this had happened, if this were the first time this had happened, I would say, you know what? I get it. It's fine. It's cool. But it's not the first time. You've seen it over and over and over and over. It's a running joke at this point. But for some reason, there's still a market for this guy. I'm if listen, the Clippers, hey, look. Let's let's get into the Clippers, okay? Because James Harden is a, a a massive weight on on your franchise. I just don't think he look. First of all, he doesn't fit with the Knicks at all. Him and Jalen Brunson can't play together. They're both ball dominant guys to be at their best. Jalen Brunson tried it with Luca and got the hell out of Dodge. Like you need, you cannot take your centerpiece who damn near carried your franchise single-handedly the entire season last year and then tell him hey slide over for a minute we're bringing in james like no it doesn't work that way we're not doing that no i'm done i'm not doing that i'm out as a fan i'm out but now if you're the clippers let's talk about the clippers you want to talk about a big three okay one part of your big three is Kawhi leonard a guy who can't stay healthy can't stay healthy he's gonna miss half the season you may get 45 games you may get 50 games from him maybe Okay, the other part of that is Paul George, who I've also seen linked to the Knicks, which again, I'm not as mad about that because like I think he's a, a better fit, but like still, like a guy that also can't stay healthy. And the third part of that is going to be James Harden. A guy who's unreliable. So in a big playoff series where Kawhi is going to go down and Paul George is dealing with an injury and you need the third head of that Hydra, is that what it's called? <laughs> to step up and play big in a big moment, James Harden, he's not going to do it. So you're clearing the runway to bring in what? A whole bunch of the same you already got. I'm sorry, I don't get it. I know I'm on an island by myself. James Harden's not worth the headache. Not worth it. I'm out. So looking at that big that potential big three with the Clippers, look, it don't it don't matter. Like it's it's not going to work. 
It's not going to work because two of the three are unreliable as far as health. They might not even show up. And the third one, he's going to be there. But, hey, man, he ain't going to produce nothing when you need him the most. Stop it. Let's go Let's go in, into something else that happened since we last spoke. Bradley Beal was traded to the Suns. I'm going to say this right now. Again, another situation where I feel like I'm on an alternate planet in an alternate universe because I don't understand the excitement. Bradley Beal is a scorer, correct? This is what we would all acknowledge. Bradley Beal is a pure natural scorer, correct? Okay. Uh, he's paired up with Devin Booker, who's a pure natural scorer, correct? Yeah? Okay. They're paired up with a pure natural scorer in Kevin Durant, right? Yeah, okay. How is this going to work? Is there such thing as too much of a good thing? Everybody loves cheesecake. I shouldn't say everybody. If you love cheesecake, cheesecake is unbelievable. A slice of cheesecake... Oh, man, nothing better in the world. A whole cheesecake that I have to eat in one sitting? Ugh, I probably don't want, I don't want that. Right? Too much of anything is no good. What Phoenix needed, what they didn't need, was another big-time score. They didn't need that. No, it, it, it's like... You know what? We got it. We, I don't even. I, I'm I'm so blown away by some of these things that are happening. All right, let's backtrack because I'm 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 still frustrated about James Harden to the Knicks ideas. <laughs> so let's backtrack. Let's 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 first before I get into why I think Bradley Beal to the Suns is is such a a silly decision or a silly move to make. Let's just start by saying. What is a big three? And why does a big three work or not work? Okay. So the big three pretty much started when it became like a a thing. When Miami Heat got Chris Bosh and and LeBron James to pair with Dwayne Wade and they became the big three. That's not where the first it started, but that's kind of where it got the name and the label Big Three and everyone started to acknowledge this is what we're doing now. We're getting a Big Three. Where it really happened to the most success was when the Boston Celtics, who had Paul Pierce, traded and got um, Ray Allen and then also got Kevin Garnett. Now, those two situations are completely different. Okay, and worked or didn't work for different reasons. Boston's big three was perfect. That's exactly how you want it. Why? Because you got three guys who are effective in three different ways. And those three guys can fit together and play together and don't have to change their game to make it work. Now look at Miami. LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Two of the very similar players in terms of how they can be effective. We got to have the ball. Dwayne Wade was a ball-dominant guard. LeBron James was a ball-dominant forward. Chris Bosh also needed the ball to work in the post. It didn't fit. 
You know what happened? Miami started off terrible, a sub-500 team. You know when things changed around? When the three guys decided we have to adjust the way we play. Hey, LeBron, you're the youngest, you're the best, you're the guy. We are going to adjust our games around you. And that's when it worked. But in its infancy, when it started, when those three guys tried to be themselves together, it didn't work. A big three only works if you have three guys that fit, not just three guys. If you look at big threes that have failed since then, you can't just take three really good players, throw them in a blender, and they fit. You know another big three that fit very well that was successful? Klay Thompson, Steph Curry, Draymond Green. Why? Because the thing that they do best, what they do, the way they play, fits together. Steph can have the ball, can run the offense, because he can create a shot. Klay Thompson is a deadly catch-and-shoot guy. Doesn't need the ball. So he can run around, get the pass, shoot it. You know what Draymond does best? He does all the dirty work. He gets the rebounds. He gets the assists. They can all, he doesn't need to have the ball. They all can play together seamlessly with no problem. This idea that you're just going to take three really good players, throw them on a team, and we got a big three, it doesn't work that way. So when you have the Clippers saying well, Clippers are going to make a new big three with James Harden, it doesn't fit. Kawhi, Paul George, not catch and shoot guys. They are guys that work. Kawhi works best off the off the dribble. Give him the ball. Let him go to work. Put in some work. He's not going to stand on the perimeter. James Harden, how's, when's he, when is he at his best? When he's controlling the offense. So now you're like, all right, everyone adjust your games to fit together. And it's like, no, I I don't have no other game. <laughs> Paul, Kawhi Leonard don't have no other game. He ain't about to come out there and change all, his whole DNA. Like, for, no, it's not going to work. You just have three big names on a roster that don't fit together, don't play together, don't make sense together. And now we're back to the Suns. You have Bradley Beal, you have Devin Booker, and you have Kevin Durant, who all do the same thing. And what you end up with is a, let's take turns. It's your turn now. It's my turn now. Hey, Beal, it's your turn. And everyone is just kind of taking turns. But they're not playing basketball together. Let's give you another example of one that didn't work. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden in Brooklyn. It didn't work. Now, you could say, oh, because, you know, Kyrie Irving was out. No, 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 no. Even when they played together, it was destined to fail because you had Kyrie and Harden doing the same thing. Yeah, they were taking turns. I know you're probably going to tell me, when they're all on the court together, they had some crazy record, but it was like for 10 games. It's like in the playoffs, that's not going to work because the whole your turn now, my turn now thing doesn't work. That'll work on a Tuesday night in Milwaukee. That's not going to work in the playoffs. When we can, when we're keyed just in on what you're doing, when we're only focused on you, when I'm not thinking about, man, I just flew in from, from Boston the night before. Like, no, it's different. 
So I look at it and I say, look, not all big threes are created equal. And Bradley Beal to the Sun seems like what you did was you triple down on your strength already. Kevin Durant and Devin Booker provide enough scoring to where you need complementary pieces. Bradley Beal's not a complementary player. No, he's not a complimentary piece. What you needed, hey, guess what? Eric Gordon's sitting out on the on the sidelines now. That's a guy Phoenix should bring in who's a good catch-and-shoot guy. He's a complimentary piece. Right? I'm just saying, man. Am I am I on a different plan? Am I the only one who sees this? We gotta stop. What like a big three, big three, big three, and everyone gets all excited. Like it's it, bro, it's not that's not it. So now because they got Bradley Bill, who I think just doesn't answer any problems that they had, now they're talking about we gotta move DeAndre Ayton. We're done with him. Yo, look, I'm gonna tell you right now. I would love to have DeAndre Ayton. That's an eighteen and ten guy who's not happy. That's a guy who averages 18 points, 10 rebounds a game, who doesn't get the ball at all, and is unhappy and disinterested and disengaged. That's what I can get? And your big knock on him is he got he got taken behind the woodshed by Joker? I'm sorry, a guy that you love and Anthony Davis also got dominated by Joker. <laughs> Look, guys, nobody's playing defense like that. Nobody's playing defense like that. Like, I don't care what you say. Joker was getting his buckets. It didn't matter. You're not stopping Joker. No one has. You're not stopping Embiid. No one has. You're not stopping LeBron. No one has. You're not stopping the great scorers in this league. It's the reason why Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Bradley Beal are getting so much praise because they score. Who's going to stop them? Nobody. Nobody's stopping. There's no defense in the NBA. You get in the guy's way, and you make it tougher for him. That's the best you can ask for. Hey, you're not going to shut anybody down. You just make it difficult for him and make them work harder than they would like to, and you hope that you tire them out. Okay? But DeAndre Ayton is an 18-10 guy who's not happy. Like, that's it. Give me that guy. But now he's getting pushed out the door. Okay, cool. Now you got to replace that. Who's your big man? Even if you keep him, because you got Bradley Beal now, you got to get him looks. You got to get him touches. He's got to get his shots up because that's how he plays. Right? <laughs> but in reality, you had your third score in DeAndre Ayton. Give him the ball as your third option. When in doubt, dump it down in the post. Start inside out. Do something. But instead, you went and got Bradley Beal to add to your already massive offensive arsenal. I don't understand it. Yeah, but you know, look, it's it's whatever. Also, because of that, you have the conversation about Kevin Durant now being under massive pressure to win. He's got to win a championship. He's already got two championships. Yeah, but that was with Golden State. He wasn't the man. He's got to win a championship with his own team. Guys, what what are we doing? What have we turned into? 
What have we turned into as a sports society where there's any pressure on Kevin Durant to win as the man? Or Kevin Durant's two championships with Golden State don't really mean anything. We don't look at Steph Curry and say, oh, well, he got two. He got he don't he don't he don't got four champions. He only got two. Cause he got two with Durant. And those don't really count because he wasn't really the man. Like, we don't do that. We don't discredit Scottie Pippen's championships because he was with Jordan. We don't discredit LeBron's championships when he was with Miami because he had Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. What are you talking about? Kevin Durant, don't his two titles don't count for nothing because he had a, a really good team around him? Take a look. Everybody that wins the championship is on a really good team. You may not like, the star power may not be there, but they're all good teams. Like Denver, it's a good team. It's a very well put together team. Top to bottom. All the different things you need from a team, rotational players, guys that come in and can give you big minutes, a guy that can come in every once in a while, every fifth, sixth day and give you a big game and spell somebody, you got it. Depth, defensive players, uh, everything, you got it. Denver's got it. Well put together roster. So this idea that Kevin Durant has pressure to, what are you talking about? That's so dumb. That's so dumb. Let's move on because I'm getting mad. I'm getting I'm getting upset now. <laughs> so Chris Paul, who was part of that Bradley Beal deal, he was traded to Washington. Washington then turned around and traded him to Golden State. I got to tell you, this Chris Paul to Golden State move is one that I want to love. I want to love it. My first thought was, oh, this is going to be great because now Steph Curry could play off the ball. Now Steph Curry doesn't have to play point anymore. Now you move Steph Curry to the two. You have Klay Thompson come off the bench as your as your second guy. And this is going to work. Now Steph Curry is free to roam and just focus on just shoot, bro. Just run around and shoot. You still got Draymond Green. You got a mature presence in, in Chris Paul. You got a guy that can run the offense. They can now slow it down, run some pick and roll. It could be great. But then I think, ah, man, but Chris Paul really, he might not be able to keep up with the pace that Golden State plays at. So I don't know, man. It's an interesting move. It's an interesting move for sure. And I'm not. Again, like I said, I want to love it. I want to think that it's a great move. I want to think that it's an awesome move and it's it's a it's a no doubter. But every time I think that, I start thinking, ah, but there could be problems. And then also, we don't know how well he's going to fit in with those guys. Chris Paul and, and the Warriors have had some some beef back in the Dizay. So who knows, man? It could be weird. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say that. On the surface, I do like the move. I do think that there is some value to it. I do think that it can work. I don't think that it's this. Like, I don't understand how he fits. Like, people change and adjust. If, if the Warriors want to start to adjust their offense a bit, having Chris Paul is a great option for that. If you want to start to say, let's get out of that running gun and just jack up shots thing. Let's kind of have a little more of a balanced, structured offense. I think that that's great. I don't think they have to play the way they've been playing. If you don't have the pieces to play that way, then you adjust. And I think Steve Kerr is one of those coaches who is willing to adjust to the team that he has instead of trying to make the team he has fit what he wanted to do. 
Make sense? All right. The other part of that trade is they had to move Jordan Poole. They had to. Jordan Poole was never worth the contract they signed him to. Jordan Poole, after the championship, after the contract, his ego was out of control. That's the reason why he was kind of bouncing around before he got there. It's the reason why he wasn't highly regarded anyway because of immaturity. That's not nothing new. Something everybody already knew. But the problem is, is that Golden State said, well, we're going to sign this guy just in case. Draymond Sakdim, bow. You know what I mean? Quick buttermilk biscuit to the dome. <laughs> right? And you had to move him. Because he pouted the rest of the year. Pouted. Pouted in the playoffs. Pouted. He's an erratic player. That's what he was before you signed him. I understand the idea of let's sign the guy and see what happens. Like if something, you know, whatever, we could probably move off him. Like, cool, but, you know, kind of what you had to do. Not really, not really show about it. But I'm, I, I kind of like the move for Chris Paul. Now, another move that was made that, in my opinion, was a perfect fit, was a match made in heaven, is Marcus Smart getting traded to the Memphis Grizzlies. Okay? I love this move, and I'll tell you why. Marcus Smart, in the way he plays, perfectly fits into the culture that they are building in Memphis, which is a tough, defensive-minded, gritty Memphis team. No flash, all grit. I also think he's a perfect complement to John Morant because he is a guy who can run the offensive need be, but also I think is adept at playing off the ball as well. And I think people forget that in college, Marcus Smart was a scorer. Like, don't get it twisted. I don't think there's no doubt in my mind that if they needed, if they asked him to or told him to, Marcus Smart can once again be a scorer. He just wasn't asked to do that in Boston. And he is a great team player. And he is a very coachable player who understood what his role was and dove all in on that role. But don't get it twisted. I think if Memphis comes out and says, look, we want you to be more of a scorer. Oh, he can. And he will. I just think his presence and what he does is perfect for them. I also think the maturity level. I think him coming in as a veteran. I think he's a guy that people respect. And I think that he can command respect in that locker room and kind of set a tone or a leadership that the guys can look at and say, all right, we can have our tough and gritty demeanor, but we can also do it in a way that's smart. I think that's big. I also think it's big for for John Morant to be around a guy like that who also had his issues early on and can kind of talk with him and, and pick his brain and kind of let him know, like, look, we could do X, Y, Z. And like they could figure things out. I think it was a great move. I know they're talking about, we had to give up Tyus Jones. He's a really good player. When he was starting, he was... Yeah, I know. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're, oh, yeah, he's so great. Yeah. Bye. He's a good piece. He's a good piece. But you got a really good piece back. And you got a piece back, which more than what he can do on the court, you got a piece back that you think he can really be helpful to John Morant off the court. No-brainer move. Great move for them. Unbelievable pickup. It's going to work right from day one. Great move. Now let's get into let's get into some some a couple things which I feel like 
going into this NBA offseason. This is very NBA heavy today. This is all, you know what? This is all NBA show. I got nothing else and no other sport to talk about. Football is is heating up, but nothing yet. So let's get in this let's get into some things. Uh first of all, let me talk about Dame Lillard. Cause Dame, his name has been floating around for months in terms of trade, 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 trade. And I, and I just want, am I the only one that notices Dame has said from day one, he wants to retire in Port. He doesn't want to jump teams. He doesn't want to go join some super team. That's not what he's about. He wants to win a championship in Portland. They asked him years ago, and he said, if I can't win it here, then I guess I'm just not going to have a championship. He's never said he wanted to leave. He never said he wanted a trade. He's always told anybody who asked him, I want to stay. I want to be here. All this conversation about where is Dame going to go? Where does he want to go? Where does he want? He don't want to go nowhere. I know the reports are, ah, they're in the stem. He doesn't want to say that he wants to trade because that would go against what he's previously said about his commitment to Portland and the franchise. And Portland doesn't want to say we're going to trade him because they don't want to get backlash from the fan base saying that, oh, you traded Dame Lillard. So it's a stalemate. So they're basically like, hey, we both want this, but neither one of us want to come out and say that we're the ones who want this. I think if Dame had his way, he wants Portland to make a move to bring pieces there so that they can win there. And I respect it. I respect the idea of a player saying, look, I'm not going to go out chasing championships because that's what y'all approve of. And that's true. Us in the media, we are the ones who place this unbearable value on championships as if you can't be a great player if you never win a championship. Your career can't be complete if you've never won a championship. That's not true. Some guys like the fight. Some guys will fight and claw and scrape. And if they never get a championship, they can still be proud of the career they had because, man, they gave everything to it. I honestly don't think Charles Barkley spends any time at all wishing Hold up, y'all. I'm be dead honest with you. That 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 dramatic pause was because I'm pretty sure I heard something running around in trash can studios. <laughs> and there's not supposed to be anything in trash can studios. So, I am officially freaked out. Could be a skunk, could be a rabbit, could be a rat, could be a mouse, could be a serpent. Who knows? 
But you know what? Back to the show. <laughs> All right, what was I saying? Now that I'm about to be attacked by some wild animal in my studio. We were talking about Charles Barkley, right? And whether or not he's um, upset with his career. Yeah. We in the media place this incredible value on your career is not a great career unless you win championships. How many do you win? And where do you rank all time? I don't think, think about your life. Think about your life. Think about something that you want really bad. Something, it might, it might be a car. It might be a type of house. It might be whatever the, it is that something that you think like, oh man, it's like my dream. If you are on your deathbed, do you really think you're going to say my life has no meaning, no purpose, no worth, no value because I didn't get that one thing I always wanted? No, come on now. So some of these players, everyone who wins a championship will say, or anyone who does accomplishes any goal will say, it's not accomplishing the goal. It's the journey to get there that you realize was the fun part. That was the great part. That's the part you love. When you get there, it's just your ability to now relax and say, ah, and you look back and you realize how much fun you had, how great it was. Yes, the championship is awesome. The journey to the championship is is way better than just having the trophy. Nobody wants to fall asleep, wake up, and have a trophy. Nobody wants to start game one and say, if you win this game, you are now an NBA champion. No, you want to get through the whole grind of the season. You want to get through the grind of the playoffs. You want to get through the finals. And then you want to come out victorious. Dame Lillard, if he doesn't win a championship, is still going to look at his career and say, man, but I gave everything I had every season to get it. And he just might be one of those guys who just won't ever have one. And that's fine. And he's fine with it. Why aren't we? Stop putting Dame's name in all these trade conversations like you know he really wants to leave. He don't want to leave. He wants to win. And if the franchise isn't committed to winning, if they're committed to, yo, we're going to start over, or we're going to do X, Y, and Z, we're going to change things up, whatever the case might be, then, hey, man, maybe this ain't, you know, maybe you guys don't have plans for me. But I think Dame in the perfect world, what he wants is he would love the franchise to make moves to bring in important pieces and solid pieces that can that can help them contend for a championship. I think he just wants the chance to get one. He just wants that chance. He just wants to have a team that he can compete with. That's all he wants. Just a chance. Just give me a shot. Now, I want to start getting into some personal opinion stuff. Because up until this point, I feel like, yes, I've been giving my opinion, but not really. The James Harden thing, those are facts. James Harden has come up short in big moments multiple different times. I'm going to ask a question. And and these next, these next three, these next three things I'm going to talk about, for me, these are questions and, and we I need answers. Okay, so the NBA draft happened last week. Great. I didn't do a show last week because I, I normally record on Wednesday. Show comes out on Thursday. The NBA draft was on Thursday. Usually during the draft, there's a lot of trades, a lot of player movement. So I thought, oh, smart. Let me record on Friday so I have the draft included and I can put that as part of the show. One thing led to another. Unable to do it. Missed the show. My bad. Look, 
from now on, if I'm going to miss the show, if I think there's going to be a chance I'm going to miss the show, I'm going to at least put out something to let you know I'm not going to be here. <laughs> I'm going to get a pre-recorded. Today's show will not be air. We'll figure something out because my bad. I feel bad when y'all just show up. For, for any of you who showed up last week and didn't get a show and didn't get an explanation, my bad. My apologies. That's not happening no more. I'm going to give y'all something. Okay. But here, here I, the NBA draft happened, and Victor Wembenyama, Wembenyama, Wemby, I'm going to call him Wemby. That's what y'all call him. I'm going to call him Wemby. He was the number one pick, and going into it was generational talent, unbelievable talent, generational talent. You hear that word thrown around all the time. My question is this. Why? Why? Was he the best shooter in the draft? No. Was he the best defender in the draft? No. Was he the best ball handler in the draft? No. Is he the best rebounder in the draft? No. Was he the best scorer in the draft? No. Was he the most athletic in the draft? No. So why is he a generational talent? Here we go. Here we go. This is, again, why is he a generational talent? Now, I'm not saying he's not good. I'm not saying he isn't a generational talent. My question is this. Why are you considering him such a once-in-a-lifetime guy? Gotta have him. Why? I'm going to tell you exactly why. It's because he's 7 foot 5. That's it. He's 7 foot 5. He's not an athletic freak. He's not some superhuman guy. He has 7 foot 5 and he's got a soft shooting stroke. That's it. And the potential is man, if we can get a score, this guy who can already shoot pretty good, he's he's okay. He's a solid shooter, but he's 7 foot 5. So the fact that he's making any threes is, whoo, you know who else was like that? Chris Stapps Porzingis. Seven foot three, can shoot threes. Oh my God, game changer. You know what he ended up being? There's an okay player. Injuries, man. Wemby is seven foot five, 110 pounds. <laughs> the dude is thin. Tall guys like that deal with injuries, so much so that they've already incorporated into his workouts in things to help prevent feet injuries. Because everyone that's that tall has feet injuries. Injuries happen. Look, he's tall. Great. But that don't equal, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's just tall. He's just tall. It's the same problem that I had with Ben Simmons. Which Ben Simmons at 6'10", oh my God, unbelievable. Ben Simmons at 6'3", not in the NBA. Don't fall in love with people's height and physical appearances and think that that's going to translate to generational ability. I don't think, I'm going to say right now, I don't think Wemby is going to live up to any of the expectations. If you're expecting him to have a Tim Duncan level impact on the Spurs, it ain't happening. If you're expecting him to be some unbelievable player, it ain't happening. He's going to be a solid NBA player. The last guy who was generational that you had to take was Zion. But he came into the league 
and you knew he was going to have injury concern, injury concerns. You knew his weight issues. You knew all of that. But you said, but we can't pass up the talent because when he plays, yeah, but that's the problem. When is he going to play? I understand. I I just don't understand why you guys think Wemby is like this unbelievable player because he's seven foot five doing what he's doing, but he's not doing anything you haven't seen before. He's just doing it in a seven foot five frame. But guess what? He's also doing it overseas. He's also doing it where he's by far the biggest guy on the court. When he gets to the NBA, and there are guys who have been in the NBA where there are physical advantages that they have over him, where they can be physical with him, where they have all the knowledge, bro, what's gonna happen? I don't know if he could physically hold up. I don't think, I don't think that guy is going to deliver what you're hoping he's going to deliver. Now, let me give you a public service announcement because this is something that I saw. I I don't remember who's, I think it was maybe Dennis Rodman said, I don't remember. It was, it was a few days ago. Probably something that completely went under the radar that nobody cared about but me. But it reminded me of an issue that I have that I want to I want to settle. I don't remember who it was, but someone had said if Larry Bird played in today's game, he wouldn't be in the NBA. Or he would be in Europe. I don't even know. X that out off the record. Here's here, What it made me think of today was this comparison over errors. Like, who's the greatest of all time? John Stockton. John Stockton couldn't play in today's game. Let's acknowledge one simple truth that we cannot say. When LeBron James came into the NBA in 2003, he was considered a freak athlete. Six foot nine, could jump out the gym super fast. What an athlete. You know what that is today? That's the standard now. Everybody coming out of college is super athletic. Tall, super athletic, just physical freaks. So even as far back as 20 years ago, if you saw someone with the size and speed and athletic ability of LeBron, it was rare. Now you find them everywhere, all over the world. Guys are faster now. Guys are stronger now. Guys are bigger now. The Today's athlete is far superior to athletes of yesteryear. It's why when you put on Dr. J highlights, these kids nowadays are not impressed. Because in your lifetime, you couldn't, you never saw nothing like that. These kids nowadays see that every day of the week. Turn on Sports Center, you seeing all those moves. Guys in different eras cannot compete in other eras because physically the game changes every 20 years. Like, can let's stop that. Let's stop that. LeBron James goes back in time to the 70s and LeBron James is dominating every single guy there. LeBron James goes to the 90s. He is so physically gifted, so athletically superior to everyone that was playing. He's dominating there too. It's the reason why Jordan was able to dominate. He was athletically on a different level from everybody. We can't keep up with him. Put him in a different era. 
he now has to rely on other things rather than just pure athletic ability. Everybody knows when Jordan first came into the league, he was just an athlete. It's why D. Rose, when D. Rose came in, won MVP the second year, he was just so athletically superior to everybody else. But then the athletes start to catch up to you. Now, like, that's what I'm saying. We can't compare. No, Larry Bird athletically can't compete in today's NBA. No, he's not the athlete. Yes, he's slow. Yes, he's this and that. But guess what? He was a skilled basketball player. Could he shoot with today's shooters? 100%. Yes. But athletically, no. And because of that, I think we have to just stop comparing errors in terms of, could he play in this era? No. Can't do it. I don't know what, that's just, that's just a public service announcement. <laughs> I just had to get that off my chest. It's stupid. It's stupid. Let's stop all the debates of who's the greatest of all time. We got to separate it by error. Who was the greatest in the 80s, 90s, 2000, 2010s, the aughts, whatever you call them. I don't know. We got to do it that way from now on. Because we, there's too many variables that we can't compare. And that's fine. That's what history is. We're not comparing the cars of the 1960s to the cars of today. They don't hold up. Engineering is far superior now than it ever was. Nobody's comparing the Nokia brick phones to the iPhones of today. There's no comparison. Stop it. Sneakers are made far better now than they were back in the day. Stop. Last thing I want to touch on. Last thing I want to touch on is I saw something. An article that just blew me away. And it's it was like the top free agents team should stay away from. Basically toxic free agents. These guys do not sign them. If you do, you are a fool. You are an idiot. Blah, blah, blah. All that. Okay. When I saw it, I was blown away. I couldn't believe it. The first name on the list was none other than Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks, ladies and gentlemen, is a guy who I do not understand the slander. I don't. I don't know. I don't understand what he did wrong. I don't understand why he's so toxic. And the worst part about it is it wasn't this way until this season. Nobody had a problem with Dylan Brooks until this year. And coming into the year, I don't think anyone had a problem with Dylan Brooks. It wasn't until he went and started trash-talking LeBron. And then, you know, he didn't play well. <laughs> he didn't play well. Uh, but, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it is what it is. I'm not quite sure. I'm not sure. Here's what I'll say. I don't think Dylan Brooks is toxic. And if I'm the Knicks, I would strongly consider signing Dylan Brooks for two reasons. Number one, I think he can add incredible value on your roster if you put him into the right role and right position and what you're asking him to do. Number two, I think he's going to be cheap. I think you can get him for a bargain price because I think his market is low. I think coming to New York is exactly what you what he needs to do. Come to a market where they respect that type of toughness, where they respect that type of grit, that determination to do the dirty work. And I think Dylan Brooks put in the right role 
can be very productive. So let's look at postseason averages. So in his first postseason in 2020-2021, he played in five games. He shot 52%, 40% from three, and averaged 26 points. It's pretty good, isn't it? Surprising, right? Just just a couple years ago. Okay. 2021-2022, played in 11 games. He only shot 35%, 35% from three. It's not very good, but he averaged 15 points a game. And then last year, in only six games, playing 28 minutes, shot 31%, 24% from three, and averaged 11 points. He had a really bad postseason. But for his career, he averages 16 points a game in the playoffs, shooting 39%. That's playing 31 minutes. Maybe you cut him down. I don't know. But let's look at what he is. Let's look at what he is. Okay. For his career, he's a guy who averages 29 minutes, shoots 42%, 34% from three, 80% from the free throw line, and averages 15 points, three rebounds, and two assists. It's a solid rotational player. Like, I don't understand. Look, he's played 73 games last season. Right? Like, I'm just saying, if I'm the Knicks, like, look at these totals. Look, last year was 14 points. He was down. The year before that, he averaged 18 points. The year before that, he averaged 17 points. The year before that, he averaged 16. So his points per game went up by a point each of the last three seasons until last year. He had a down year. But before that, 16, 17, 18, getting better. Shooting percentage, 41%, 42%, 43%. It was going up. He was on the upswing. He was playing 28 minutes, 29 minutes, 27 minutes. That's about where he should be. Probably somewhere between 25 and 28 minutes. Last year, he went up. The numbers dipped. But before that, look, man. I'm sorry. Looking at the Knicks roster, like, yo, stop. Like, why is Dylan Brooks toxic? He's a guy that's going to be pesky on defense. He can guard the other team's best player. He's got great size. He's got good athletic ability. He can guard the other guy's best player like i said to you earlier nobody's stopping anybody in today's nba but at least he's gonna make it difficult for him he's a tough player he's not a flashy player he's not a guy that needs to shoot a bunch of shots he doesn't need to do that he don't need to do that in memphis they needed him to be a shooter they were asking him to shoot the ball shoot the ball shoot the ball in his best season in terms of shooting percentage, he was shooting 11 times a game. That's a, For me, Dylan Brooks can come off the bench on my roster any, any day of the week. And I think this idea of like, oh, he shoots 32% from three. Like, yeah, so do a lot of guys. So do a lot of guys. You know what? You know what? That's it. You guys, you guys peeve me off. <laughs> I'm going to look up. And apologies if this is not exciting to you. Okay, so Dylan Brooks averaged more points than Austin Reeves. Averaged more rebounds than Austin Reeves. Averages just amount, just the same amount of assists as Austin Reeves. He shoots far worse percentage. 
But check this out. Austin Reeves was shooting eight times a game. That's half of what Dylan Brooks was asked to do. Half. Austin Reeves was playing 28 minutes a game. Shot 39% from three. Not a dead-eye shooter. Last year, he shot 32%. Right where Dylan Brooks is, where you say is toxic. Can't do it. Okay. Shoots really good free throw shooter. Shoots 85%. That's great. Averages 10 points for his career. So last year, he averaged 13 points on seven shots. Like, you could say he's got a really good shooting percentage. But I think if you ask Dylan Brooks to take seven shots a game, I think his his shooting percentage is going to be higher, too. I think if you ask him to do a certain role, I think he could do that. But everyone's drooling over Austin Reeves. Oh, you you got to sign him. Uh, do whatever you can to sign him. The Lakers are apparently willing to go into, into, into whatever luxury tax they have to pay. They're willing to do it to keep Austin Reeves. They're going to match any offer anybody gives them. He's a can't, you can't lose him. Dylan Brooks is a better basketball player. Right now. Right now. Like, if you're telling me, like, hey, who's gonna, who can contribute? Give me Dylan Brooks. Austin Reeves is playing no defense is not a dead-eye shooter either. They both have warts. They both have flaws in their game. But I think Dylan Brooks put on the right team, asked to do the right role, 100% a winner. 100% tough. Like not, doesn't need a whole lot. I think Dylan Brooks was misused at the end of his 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 time in Memphis I think they were what they were asking him to do what they were needing him to be he is not that but I think if the Knicks were to sign him for dirt cheap I think coming off the bench man could you imagine having him running with Josh Hart come on man you, you lock lock down defenders like defense you're going to have a tough time I wouldn't start him no I wouldn't start him don't get me wrong I'm not saying he's a starter but man, he could play. He could play in the league. Why not? I don't know. I think this whole idea that he's toxic, don't sign him. But like, come on, man, because he talked trash to LeBron. Like, so what? Does anyone think that Memphis was going to win that series if Dylan Brooks didn't talk trash? Because he's not a great three point shooter. I know a lot. I think Porzingis is like thirty four percent from three, and everybody loves him. Stop it. I think Luca shoots like thirty two percent from three. <laughs> That's hate. That's hate. I'm just saying, I, I just don't think you have a good reason outside of he trash talk LeBron and then they lost and he didn't play well to say he's toxic. I don't think so. Hey, Knicks, forget about James Harden. Bring on Dylan Brooks. That's my time, y'all. Look, I appreciate y'all coming through today. Today uh, was all was basketball heavy because free agency is officially started. As you hear this podcast, things have started. Some of the things I talked about may have already been resolved by the time you hear this. But look, I appreciate every one of y'all for coming through. I apologize for last week again. I was MIA stuff going on. But from now on, I'm, I'm going to let you guys know that there's no show uh, I'll, I'll give you guys a heads up so you know it's not just like a disappearing act so you guys know that I am I am around I am I am aware of the fact that I wasn't there and I will always be back um, but at least give y'all a heads up be a little more professional that's my bad look I appreciate each and every one of y'all for coming back I appreciate all of you guys for going to the YouTube check me out there at uh, Cyber Network S-I-B-R 
network on youtube for some exclusive videos there exclusive content is super dope stuff going on over there join the cyber family catch me on all other social media platforms at cyberpod that's s-i-b-r underscore p-o-d join the cyber family let's build this thing into the greatest sports network in the world i'll catch you next time